Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast with the Dr. Dad's. My main man, Dr. David Wardy. What's up, buddy? I'm fantastic, brother. How are you, man? Well, it sounds like you had a busy day. You're you have a short week this week, and and you're just running around, just getting getting stuff done. I feel like that's been like the last week and a half, man. But it's good. Like I'm being very productive, lots of moving parts. But I mean, I think the new year always brings a little bit of that, and then we kind of hit our stride, maybe three to four weeks into the year. Yeah. But yeah, man. Like just a lot of a lot of things going on. We're leaving town. We're taking the taking the office to a conference and our, our like kickoff retreat for the year to kind of do our own little like uh, jump you know jump start for the clinic and and get them educated and motivated and all that fun stuff and so it's a short week but then I've got the metabolic reset coming up which we're going to throw here in February so just a lot of stuff man you know how that goes oh man big time what's your what's your take on just how people are responding in this year do you, do you feel like there's, say, more people coming in than, than typical in a January? Or, like, what, what are you sensing? You know, uh, the first quarter is always a big, busy time for us. You know, everybody always has their resolutions and they're starting the new year and wanting to make changes. And their health is usually at the top of that list, right? So we get a lot of people that are coming in and they're just ready, finally, to tackle some of the health issues that they've had. And some of these people have been struggling for a while. Um, but yeah, January is always a really busy month, pretty much through April for us of, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of people coming in that are really have just big health issues and there's a lot going on with them and they're just, it's time for them, which is good. Right. Cause you and I both know, like we always talk about, um, that saying from Hippocrates, right? Like, unless you're like, what is it? What is it? Oh, I gotta grab it real quick. I can't even read it off real quick. There we go. Before you heal, someone ask him if he's willing to go up the things that made him sick. Yeah. And I feel like people, you know, when they come around in the new year, they're trying to think about, okay, what needs to be done, you know, and when it comes to your health, man, I think people just finally make those bigger decisions sometimes in January. I don't feel like the new year should ever be that mark to do that. I think you should do this whenever it's necessary. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, everybody hits that resetting button, you know, this time of year, and then they're ready to go. So so we got a lot of programs starting up with new patients and then like i said we're going to do a metabolic reset for seven weeks so yeah just trying to get everybody jump started yeah yeah it's interesting i feel like earlier in our career january was sort of slow to start but you know as the years have gone by and um and and i think that there maybe there's just more people waking up to you know, taking care of their health and, you know, maybe our reach is just growing as well. And and people are just recognizing us more and the potential for healing and, and some of the cool innovative tools that we've brought into our clinic, uh, no doubt are also waking people up to self-care, you know, which is the whole idea behind the Vitality Lab and the Longevity Lab. So uh, on that note, though, we want to dive into hyperbaric oxygen as one of those you know, staples for prevention and health span and longevity and all that stuff. So um, t- tell us your journey of 
you know, the Vitality Lab maybe and, and then why you felt like hyperbaric was such an important tool to bring in uh, for self-care? You know, you and me had conversations. You were, what, like a year or two ahead of me with your old longevity lab? I think it was at least a Yeah, year. I mean, we, we launched ours and then the pandemic hit. So, like, that's right. it wasn't really – it was the worst time to launch a business, of course. But it uh, – so it was right in 2020 that okay. we had all our equipment. Yeah. So I started mine last year. So that would be 2022. Yeah. So you were about a, uh, two years ahead of me. So – it was funny. I had all the, you told me one day, you're like, buddy, why don't you start a lab? Like you have a bunch of stuff already. You, like you just need that. You already had the lab. You just yeah, did. You already had the lab. I was like, <laughs> okay. So I thought about it. I was like, yeah, he's right. So yeah, we started ours last uh, 2021, December of 2021 is actually when it started. And I, I spent a lot of time trying to decide, okay, I have some cool biohacking therapies and tools already but i wanted to add some anchors to build the lab to where we had some really good just anchoring type biohacking or therapy tools that people could come in that were very potent medicine that would make big changes with their health and so i sat on it for a while and the first thing that i decided was to do the red light led bed and that's when we went with the light stem bed and we did that in december of 2021 and it's been awesome, man. Like the light bed is, is it's, it's amazing. Um, very different than most light beds, the one that we have in the clinic. So just for the listeners real quick, most of these red light beds you'll see, they're either panels that you'll see that are vertical or where they've mounted them to the walls and you just stand close to them. Or it'll look kind of like one of those infrared sauna beds, uh, not infrared, but like a tanning bed. Yeah. You have the top and the bottom and you climb in and you close the top. But, you know, after doing research for a while, I, and, and, you know, Dr. Hank Williams talked to me a little bit about why he picked that bed. So interestingly enough, red light to get the therapeutic dose, you have to be very, very, very close to the bulbs mm -hmm. on whatever, wherever you're getting the light. It's not enough just to be close to the light because a lot of that power and, and you're losing a lot of power and the therapeutic dose the further away you are. Yeah. So the reason LightStem built their bed the way they did is because to get a full-blown treatment, you have to do 20 minutes on your back and 20 minutes on your stomach. And that's because you're like touching, almost touching the bulbs. Mm -hmm. And then they have a very spe specific type of material that they used as the glass like covering or it's acrylic that sits on the bulbs. And, and then make sure that the light is actually passing through the acrylic at the right angle to give you that therapeutic dose. So with a lot of these other companies, man, like the one that you close the thing on top of you, you're too far from the top. So you're yeah. not really even getting that therapeutic dose. You're only getting the one that you're laying on. So it's, it's, you're, you're losing a lot of that, a lot of that, that dose. And so some of these beds that have like 40 to 80,000 bulbs, it's unnecessary. So like our, our light bed, I think has close to 19,000 bulbs. It's got the infrared and then it has four different spectrums or four different frequencies pushing through the red light. Mm -hmm. And so that, that bed is really cool, man. And I love it. You, you've heard my stories about it. Our patients and practice members love it. The Vitality Lab members love it. It's literally on all of our circuits and it's been amazing. So after I got that one going, I knew that I eventually was going to add something else. And you and me had talked about uh, HBOT. And so we talked about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I'll be honest, I was a little nervous to bring it in initially. But then after talking to you and, and some other practitioners, I was like, no, I need to do this. 
So we brought in hyperbaric uh, at the end of this past year. So like right around, I think it was October, I think, or September, we brought in the HBOT and we, we kind of went uh, and teamed it up with another therapy. We do red light and HBOT back to back. We call it the superhuman circuit. And buddy, that is like one, it's my favorite circuit. Like mm -hmm. it's becoming a lot of other people's favorite circuit. They love getting on the light bed and jumping in the hyperbaric. Um, but man, hyperbaric's been awesome. You know, I had my first experience with HBOT when I was in grad school. When I went, I'll tell you a quick funny story. So we were in, um, I was at a seminar for Parker, Parker seminars when I was in grad school. And they have a big, big, big expo at their conference in Vegas. And there was an HBOT booth and me and a buddy of mine had actually been out a little late the night before partying in Vegas. Okay. Give me a break. That's what, that's what you do when you go to Vegas. right? Yeah. I was in yeah. my, I was in my early twenties, everybody. This is what you do. So <laughs> I think we went to bed like at four. I slept two hours, got up, went to the conference. And so we were a little hungover. I'm not going to lie. And we're talking to this guy and, and he's like, yeah, why don't you guys jump in for 30 minutes? So we jumped in, he went first and I went and it was amazing, man. I got out of that thing and it literally took my hangover away, like wow. gone, like gone. It was like, it was just, I uh, went from feeling like crap to got out of that thing. And it was like, I was a new person for the rest of the day. So that's when I was like, okay, there's something powerful about oxygen. So, I mean, fast forward to now, uh, bringing it in as a therapy and a tool for our patients and practice members to, to start to use. And buddy, after looking at the research and what's available now and what they're seeing that this helps with, this is an amazing therapy. I mean, a lot of people yeah. have these in their homes because it, it works so well to help with, with their overall health. But the amount of things that it can do in a short amount of time, you know, I only do 30 minute sessions in there. Mm -hmm. I haven't even done a full hour yet. And just a 30 minute session, you feel amazing when you get out. So I'm very happy about it. And I wanted to dive in with you today. Now, you've talked a lot about yours, and I think you've done some stuff on your website where you've gotten into this, but I want to go back and forth with you and just kind of get into the nitty gritty of all the benefits of what hyperbaric oxygen therapy does, the science behind it, and then, you know, why why somebody would want to do something like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, our experience was a little different. I I got into hyperbaric Obviously, we, we talked to Dr. Jason Saunders, and he's been having a ton of success with it. And he's now doing a, a PhD program to really investigate the different, you know, therapeutic benefits at different pressures and things like that. So Dr. Jason Saunders is is an, an amazing resource in the field of hyperbaric therapy. And obviously, Dave, Dave and I are, you know, honored to be able to call him friend and colleague and everything. Um, so well, a lot of my... Long, right? Pardon me? We had him as a guest. We did. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. for, for some of his dialogue, you know, people can just go back to that. But the main reason I wanted to get it was, you know, a lot of the therapeutics, even in our lab, I keep thinking about my mom who went through hemor hemorrhagic stroke nine years ago. And so I know hyperbaric was a very powerful tool for people post, you know, TBI or post-stroke uh, as a way, even post-concussion and, and some of the other CTE kind of situations. Uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. So I, I wanted to see what kind of value it would add to her. And then obviously we get a chance to to try it on a number of different patients and then also implement it into our longevity lab <clears throat> as a tool for longevity and just re reducing inflammation and just all the things that, that it could potentially help. And so when I'm speaking about this, just for those listening, this is not 
you know, research. It's more like a clinical application of, of what I've noticed. And um, the, the main thing is when we first got our HBOT, we had been running at this 1.3 atmospheres of pressure, which is considered um, low-level hyperbaric therapy or pressurized air therapy. This is before we added an oxygen concentrator. And a lot of the interesting information research that's done on, say, wound healing to, you know, people uh, with cancer to, to diabetic, you know, issues to post-stroke and other traumatic brain injury, a lot of the, the research is done on these higher pressures. But more and more, you know, people like Dr. Jason Saunders and, and others are starting to look at some of the low-level therapeutic benefit. And, and so clinically, like what we found is, you know, most people that go in there come out just feeling like their, their brain is, like the brain fog is clear, the energy comes up. We've had some people with long covid that have done really, really well at helping to recirculate oxygen to all the different tissues that were stuck in an inflammatory process um, to, you know, post-traumatic brain injury to uh, post-viral issues like herpes or sorry, shingles <clears throat> and speeding recovery there, uh, post-fracture, you know, expediting recovery. So that what we found is that it's just such a valuable tool to implement into any program because what you're doing is you're increasing oxygen delivery um, two tissues that are stuck in a state of inflammation that, that, you know, as we learned with Dr. Tom Levy, um, any chronic inflammation is an area that's hypoxic. So devoided or decreased significantly in, in the supply of oxygen and also, you know, vitamin C deficient, which is one of his core postulates for chronic inflammation. So what we found is that it's just an, a really amazing core adjunctive tool in, you know, considerably everything that you could possibly, you know, have go wrong with you because oxygen, you know, as Jason says, is a, is a nutrient. It's something that we absolutely need to function on this planet. And if we're stuck in inflammation, we're going to be hypoxic to some degree. So the, I realized in having in our clinic that the, the u utility of it was just so vast because it's just working on the basic fundamentals of human physiology. Well, it's massively vast, right? And it's it's. I'm glad that Jason is is getting his PhD to go on this low level therapeutic because there is a ton of benefit on the lower therapeutic end of hyperbaric. It doesn't have to be these big metal chambers to get the benefit. And you're right; that's all we're seeing in the research. But as you and I understand clinically, like there's awesome stuff that happens when you use oxygen. So for our listeners, brother, why don't we tell them? kind of how that works, like how oxygen is uptaken into the body and, and how we pretty much don't have any extra in real time. And then what happens when we go under pressure and all that stuff, let's take them on a journey uh, of how that works. And then we'll talk about some of the benefits when you do these things more regularly. Yeah. So, you know, the way that the, I, I'm sort of repeating a little bit of Jason's stuff, but um, the way that I, I understand it is that we're walking around uh, at varying degrees of pressure as a result of uh, the location that we live on in the planet. So here in Vancouver, we're at sea level. I don't know what, what the, the altitude is at El Paso. I know you guys have some higher elevation probably yeah. than we do, but um, you know, depending on where you live, there's going to be varying degrees of elevation. Obviously, Utah, Colorado, some of these places, obviously very high elevation. But no matter where you go, on this planet, you know, probably in nature, you're going to get maybe slightly higher concentrations of oxygen. But let's say in a city, 
you know, you might be getting anywhere from like uh, a really polluted city. You might be getting 16, 17, 18% oxygen, upwards of 21% oxygen. You know, and there's other gases, obviously, in the air, nitrogen, you know, different different things that, that are, are circulating in the air. But relatively speaking, you're going to be somewhere between 19 to 21% oxygen. And um, whether you're in Utah or the top of, you know, a mountain, the, the difference is, is the amount of pressure. So obviously at higher elevation, lower pressure, which is why people feel more fatigued when they climb up a mountain. But when you go to sea level or below that, so apparently the lowest um, uh, uh, below sea level area on the planet is the Dead Sea area. And so that's technically a high pressure situation. So the lower you go, the higher the pressure, just like when you're you know, doing scuba diving, you know, the lower you go, the, the higher the pressure. So when you go to the Dead Sea, still the, the concentration of oxygen is exactly the same, but you're in a higher pressure, which means that your body's going to deliver a higher amount of that oxygen and circulate it throughout your body versus when you go uh, to the higher altitudes into the mountain ranges, it's sometimes harder to catch a breath because the the delivery of oxygen follows, um, I think it's Boyle's law, where oxygen will diffuse from high pressure to low pressure. And right. so when you're in a high pressure situation, you're going to push more of that oxygen into your blood. When you're low pressure, like the top of a mountain, you know, it, it might might go the opposite direction, but you're not going to get this increased perfusion into your tissues uh, at the higher, at that low pressure. Is that, is that like a decent? No, that's perfect for the pressure bit. And what I want our listeners to understand is when you breathe, every bit of oxygen is being uptaken into your body in real time. There is no extra oxygen. So whatever concentration, like Nick's saying, whether you're getting it in under high pressure, you're getting less under, under low pressure, it's gone. Like there, there is an extra. So when we talk about things like hypoxic tissue and we talk about oxygen as a nutrient, realize that your cells need oxygen. That's one of the main things that we feed our cells every day, oxygen and nutrients. And so whatever you're getting, you're getting. And if there is healing needed in the body anywhere and you can't carry enough oxygen to that tissue or those cells, those cells don't heal and the tissue doesn't heal. So we're going to now kind of jump in. I'll let Nick, Nick talk well, about well, this. Well, let's, I mean, yeah. Perry Nicholson did a brilliant job of also explaining this from a congestion point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and that was definitely missing in the conversation we have with Dr. Saunders. But I think this is a great way to sort of bring it full oh, circle. So, yes, yeah, so you want to talk about everything that's affecting it. Yeah, like, so yeah, we yeah. talked about Tom Levy and like okay. uh, chronic inflammation is also places devoid of vitamin C. Um, you know, we talked about the way that altitude affects things, but like, let's talk about from a lymphatic point of view, how yeah. tissues also become toxic or hypoxic. No, that's a great idea. So like Nick's talking inflammation and what is one of the big bringers of inflammation in our body? Well, a lot of times if our lymphatic system, which is our sewage system, okay. If this system is not flushing out regularly and renewing and replenishing and basically getting that interstitial fluid clean and clear, Basically, it backs up and what, what, what happens is we become toxic. So think of little pools that start gathering in different pockets of the body. And this happens primarily, I call, I tell my patients, we get speed bumps in our tissue because we all kind of move in very similar movement patterns all the time based off our ergonomics. So whatever we're not moving that's addressing different parts of our tissue, think of these little pool areas that basically lymph is getting stuck in and it's not able to move. 
Now, when lymph can't fly and, and glide through the lymph system the way it's designed to, it backs up and then we start to get that interstitial fluid toxicity, which is a breeding ground that starts to change our terrain. It's a breeding ground for bacteria, viruses, parasites, all kinds of nasty stuff. So then our terrain starts to change in those areas of the body. And then that brings inflammation. So then inflammation is going to start to upregulate around our cells in that area. And the moment inflammation starts to hit, you got two things that are going to go wrong. One, when there's inflammation, tissue doesn't move very well. So there's already something that's going to affect the integrity of your lymphatic system because your fascia, when you move, all the movement you do all day through your fascia is actually what opens these little channels in your lymphatics to help your lymphatics start to flush out. But the moment that inflammation sets in because the sewage system is backed up, that tissue does not move or glide and it gets really resistant on any kind of movement or stimulation. So the lymph, the lymph capillaries don't basically open and close. So this is going to start this cascade of inflammation in the cell, like we talked, and then you can't get oxygen and nutrients into your cells because the membranes of your cells basically inflame and it's like doors that slam shut. So on top of not being able to get any permeability through that cell membrane of oxygen and nutrients into the cell to basically feed mitochondria and create cellular energy, you basically are going to have another issue where you get hormone resistance as well. So then your, your cells can't hear the broadcasting system from your master system, which is your brain spinal cord. And then now you have a communication issue and you have literally a depletion of your body's ability to feed itself at a cellular level so that you can function. Yeah. And so this starts to create a really bad problem. So like Dr. Perry Nicholson talks about with the lymph system, if you have a lymphatic issue, you have an immune issue. If you have an immune issue, you have a lymphatic issue. But there are other layers like Dr. Nick's talking about that kind of cause these problems and the beautiful thing about hyperbaric is we can go in and fight back on this using it with some other therapies like doing lymphatic type work and fascial work and stuff like that, which then you can pump the body full of oxygen to get that oxygen where it needs to go, where it hasn't been getting where it needs to go for healing. Cause at the end of the day, we want to heal. And the thing I love about HBOT man is it's, it's really good at doing that. It's another life force energy because it's oxygen and you're pumping more of it into the body and you're giving the body something it needs to thrive and heal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, you did such a brilliant job of describing the whole tissue change and the toxicity buildup, the, the inflammatory state. And if you can imagine like if, if oxygen is that vital, just you breathing in 21% oxygen at say sea level or whatever pressure you're at, um, you know, if your mountain regions, lower pressure, you, you don't, you're not getting enough oxygen to actually stimulate part of that healing mechanism because oxygen is a signaling molecule. It's a nutrient. It's all these things, but it's necessary for tissues to actually start to regenerate and to stimulate stem cell production and bring in nutrients and the lymphatic system, all the things that you spoke to. So we would technically need for chronic tissue that's inflamed, that's hypoxic, you need a therapeutic dose. And that's essentially what uh, hyperbaric is doing. It's giving you a therapeutic dose of oxygen to be that messaging system for stimulating repair. Well, let's break that down because I have some cool notes here. So we're talking about fighting inflammation, right? Yeah. So when Nick's talking about it's going to help remodel your capillary bits. The reason a lot of times you're hypoxic is because there's damage from the inflammation to your capillary beds. And so if those capillary beds are damaged, you can't actually feed and circulate that oxygen into those tissues. 
And then if we repair those capillary beds, we're going to have a decrease in the hypoxia and that damaged tissue, which enables us to carry nutrients to our cells and then waste products, which I didn't mention earlier, out of our cells. Yep. So guys, it's one thing, of course, we need to get things in our cells, but the other piece of that like cellular permeability issue, if we're inflamed, is we can't get waste out. And so we need to be able to circulate to get waste out too. So one of the beautiful things that hyperbaric does is it repairs those capillary beds, which is it enables to do that. And then as a byproduct, we get a lower inflammatory cycle. Yeah, that's that's so important. And you know, not all of us are necessarily thinking like capillaries, what, what are these things? But it's literally the the distal termini or the terminus, the 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 end point for the vascular system, the blood system. And these are so right. small, right? Like Tiny. I want people to picture these in your head. Like it takes microscopes to see these, but these are so small that you can't see them with the eye. And these capillaries actually have vasomotion. So they contract. Yeah. So depending on how healthy we are, we have good vasomotion. And that we talked about this with the Beamer, right? Yeah. But when these guys are damaged, you can't push your blood where it needs to go. It's like, it's like a river that the, it's not moving. It's just yeah. stagnant. And, so and these are like, moving. just to give like dimensional size, like it's like one red blood cell thick, right? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It, like they're it's, tiny. It's, yeah. It's like, it's as, as, it's as wide as like Nick saying a red blood cell or a white blood cell. Like they're so small uh, that, but there's damage here. So these are the guys that get broken down when we have chronic inflammation. And if you can't heal these things, there's no healing that takes place. I think even Jason, Dr. Saunders, his story is he had a low back injury where he had foot foot a drop. drop yeah and he got in a hyperbaric at a conference and got out and he had had foot drop for like a year after he'd fixed his back and it just wasn't getting better and he started to feel his foot and his feeling started to come back in his foot yeah. and that's when he discovered oh my god oxygen i just got more oxygen into that tissue so it's amazing right i mean you push a little more oxygen there it helps the body do what it's designed to do which is heal and then we start to get like the nutrients in, the waste out, we get repair, and then the inflammation starts to drop. And then because we can get that transition in the cell, you're going to be able to feed those mitochondria, that oxygen, which is going to help us increase cellular energy, right? And then they've even shown research with these things that it helps with the size of your mitochondria, efficiency, and density when you do hyperbaric regularly over time. So then the powerhouses on our cells are getting fed and they're repairing, which helps you have more energy. And we need energy to heal. So everybody, again, more oxygen equals more energy and energy is necessary to heal. It's brilliant. I mean, there's, this is, this is a beautiful thing about this therapy is that you're, you're hitting it at such a core level that's, that's necessary. It's, it's literally a catalyst that tells your body, okay, it's time to heal. So, you know, this is why we said near the beginning, why it's just the, the utility of this is just so universal for any illness. And if you talk about mitochondria, like, I mean, literally that is the, the organelle within our cells that, that you know, make energy that like you, they, the only reason that they can produce energy is because oxygen is present. So to really hammer home the point of this chronic inflammatory state, the, just the sheer tininess of these capillary beds and how easy it is for inflammation to develop as a result of this toxic buildup, the lymphatics, you know, the vasomotion in the, in these, in the microcirculation. I, I was hoping you could even just highlight, not that we have to go into big detail, but just about the sheer uh, proportional difference of large vascular 
channels versus the microvascular system. And I think that's important to yeah. kind of perspective. So when you open a book and we look at like the circulatory system of the body, primarily what you're seeing drawn in that anatomy book is our large vessels. This is the arterial supply or you'll see the venous supply, right? And these are, I think it's like what, 23%. This is only 23% of our circulatory system. Those large vessels that we see in books and when you read books and stuff. So the and the ones arm. you can see in your arms, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's twenty three percent. Those are the big guys, but the the rest, the other what seventy, um, whatever the math is, the rest of that is microcirculation. So that, I think they say when you spread these guys out on a line, it can go for like I forget how many miles. Like it's something. Well, it's like it's like right? circles the globe. It circles the Earth. Your <laughs> circulatory system for your entire length, if you were to line it up, will go once around the globe. They say that's how much of this stuff. So imagine how small these are. But again, they have to feed seventy trillion cells. Seventy trillion cells are being fed by this microcirculation. So now if you haven't figured it out, I'm going to say it. How important do you think circulation is? It's huge. You know, a lot of people can't heal because they don't circulate well. Yeah. I've seen this with patients. I've seen this with my own mom when she got in a horse. She had back surgery. Three months after her back surgery, she ended up in a car accident, broke her back, had horrible trauma to her leg. She sat pretty much at home for about six to eight months and just could not heal. Like literally her body would not shift. And it took me putting her on a Beamer mat pretty much every day for about a six month period. And then she started healing and it's because she didn't circulate well. She had poor vasomotion. Yeah. So like we're, we're talking, I mean, that's just a quick story. And, I, and I'm saying that because a lot of people, you may be doing everything right, but because you're not circulating well enough to carry what you need to the cells and to carry waste out. That's why you can't get healing done. Yeah. So I hope people understand that because it, it's, it's huge. And I think it's overlooked a lot of times on people when they're trying to heal and they don't, they don't take that into account, but it, it's huge for healing. And, and like we're talking man, like oxygen needs circulation and so does your immune system right like mm -hmm. we have three main things that we're carrying we have oxygen nutrients running through our blood all day right and then our, our immune our immune system a response from our immune system runs through our circulatory system so you have all these things that need to go on this highway all day long and if you can't carry them everything from like our cholesterol to our hormones i mean neurotransmitter. i mean the, the, the list is endless yeah. But if we can't carry it, forget it. There's just the stagnation and healing. Mm -hmm. And it, hopefully it's, it's painting a picture for people because I think, you know, we all get stuck. Oh, it's the hormone problem. It's the, you know, you mentioned the cholesterol levels. It's, you know, the medication that, that I got prescribed for this particular condition. And, and what we're really asking people to do is take a step back. How does the body operate? How do nutrients come in? How do toxins get out? And if we're not addressing things from just that most basic fundamental level of physiology of how we you know, deliver nutrients, um, we're, we're missing a huge part of the process, right? And this goes beyond nutrition even. Like, you know, obviously all those things are a part of the entire process, but I think we lose sight of our physiology. And I love that, you know, these biohacking tools or, or I would call them life essential tools now because like it's it's beyond just being a cool gadget that, that hacks your biology. It's like essential to life. 
So if you're not working on your vasomotion and, and increasing blood supply, if you're not giving the right stimulus for your mitochondria to heal, if you're not getting enough oxygen into your body, if you're not moving your lymph, um, you know, those are, those are basic foundational tools that, that everybody, you know, who's in a healing crisis or needs to overcome a chronic inflammatory state, you got to address all those factors. And they're essentials, brother. And they're so yeah. overlooked. They're so overlooked. Yeah. When people have a stagnation of healing, I feel like, you know, some doctors don't even look for these foundational things to see like, well, should I just check to see if they're even circulating well, yeah. or if they're getting oxygen where it needs to go, or if their immune system can even have the response. They don't look for this stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like this is, this is the first place you need to look. And then everything has to come after that, you know, just yeah. from an immune, just from an immune place, right? Like our immune system helps us heal. And it, and we're talking circulation right now, we're talking oxygen, but if you can't, just do these basic things like circulate and carry that oxygen, your immune system can't have that response. So then how can you fight infection? How can you clean up inflammation in the body? Yeah. Right. How can you change your terrain? You can't. Yeah. There's just no response. So like Nick's saying, it's, it's a definitely a multi-therapeutic approach, but understanding that these aren't extras. These are, like I said, they're both life force energies. It's light and oxygen. Mm. Like I, I wanted to keep it that way because that's one of my slogans for the Vitality Lab is like increase your life force energy. And we, our biggest two therapies that we do here are just oxygen and light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're very so, powerful. So let's talk about the patient experience. So you're, you're, um, what you're doing is you're going from normal atmospheric pressure. Again, your geography will dictate what pressure level you're at. You get into a chamber what are what do people notice? What are some side effects? What are some problems with getting into the chamber? The the challenges and uh, what would you notice when you're in there? So the biggest challenge I think people have with is just getting to pressure. They're just the equalizing of the ears. So one of the ways, like Dr. Saunders explains this, is he says, look, it's kind of like going up in a plane and coming down. You have to equalize when you go up in a plane. Your ears are going to pop a little bit, and you swallow, you sigh, you pinch and blow the ears. And you're trying to equalize. Same thing for people that go scuba diving, like you were talking when they go when they go yeah. deeper, and then as they come up, they have to come up slow, right? So that's basically what's happening in a hyperbaric chamber. For the first like four to five minutes, when the chamber is filling up, it's like basically a, a, a going up in a plane or going down when you're scuba diving. So you have to sit there and pretty much equalize and get ahead of the pressure. But if you don't do this, you're going to start to get pressure build up in your ears. And your head may start to hurt and have a lot of pain behind the ears. And I would say that's probably the biggest thing that people struggle with. Yeah. Because outside of that, I mean, if you can equalize and you can get in there, no problem. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of space in there and in and, and the chamber. I know you have a, a good sized chamber. So there's plenty of room in there to, to just lay in there. I even stretch in mine. Yeah. Um, I have people that fall asleep, but it's really just equalizing, man. I mean, and then we'll, and we'll talk about contraindications. There's not many, there's very few, if any. But the biggest thing is just getting the pressure. And then outside of that, the only thing I would, I would say on top of that is claustrophobia. Oh, for sure. If you're, I was if you're say claustrophobic, sure. yeah. not even, don't even bother trying. Mm -hmm. not going to be able to do it. Because yeah. unless somebody has one of those big room-sized chambers where you can just walk into a room and you don't feel claustrophobic, then a hyperbaric chamber is not going to be ideal for you. you yeah. I've, I've some patients who are mildly claustrophobic and there's sort of, it's a bit of exposure therapy. We put them in hold up the sort of hold up the material just give them a sense of like how how spacious it is 
but we don't actually close it up and turn it on. Like, hey, that was step one. If you feel comfortable enough, do you want to try a little further? We can zip you up, turn the air on, but we won't increase the pressure. We'll just sort of leave you at the bare minimum. And then, and then we move through that. So, you know, it's not a hard no, but yeah, some people look at the thing like there's not a chance. And some people are interested enough that they'll, okay, let, let me have a little bit of exposure to it. Yeah. We've, we've, the people we've put in there, they're claustrophobic. I've had some that are like on the fence. They're like, oh, I'm kind of claustrophobic. And then they get it like, nope, no, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, could it? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, man, those are the only two things I see that would affect somebody's ability to get in there. Yeah. I mean, if you can equalize, you're fine. And then if you're not claustrophobic, you're good. Because once yeah. you get to pressure, it's just you feel normal in there. You're just laying on a nice mattress. I put a nice memory foam pillow in ours. Yeah. Um, and you're just chilling. Yeah. just relax yeah so contraindications i mean there there would be a list you know you can definitely look online too but some of the basics basic ones would be pneumothorax which would be punctured lung um copd someone who's already got really inflated lungs and so changing pressure for them would be would be difficult and obviously any like open wounds and things like that 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 aren't dressed properly i mean some of it's just sort of very common sense uh but yeah. also i would say someone with a sinus infection you know it's yeah, not a good I idea mean- to jump in there yeah, anything that's going to affect your ability to equalize, you know, yeah. like we've had some patients that are congested, their allergies are bothering them or something. I say, oh, we can't do this today. You have to yeah. wait till your, your sinuses clear up. Um, but yeah, like outside of that, man, there's really not much. Um, yeah. The only thing I would add to that list is if um, if you're kind of like post chemotherapy, you might have to go slow and low with HBOT because it actually will cause a lot of detox. Yeah. Uh, when you start pumping oxygen through the system, so you might just want to go a little slower. Um, but yeah, the, the the biggest one would be the pneumothorax, right? And some big lung issues. But for the most part, most individuals can get in it just fine. That's yeah. not an issue. Yeah, I've had patients with even post-transplant um, surgery and it's it's really expedited their their healing. So, and, and that, that one in particular was actually a lung transplant. So oh, wow. yeah. yeah, I can believe it. So, I mean, even for us, like as physicians, I reached out to Dr. Saunders and, you know, so we're always checking too, and, and a good, you know, place is delivering this therapy is going to be more thorough because obviously, you know, minimizing harm is the most important thing when you're using any therapeutic. Um, but I mean, th- these mild pressurized chambers, I mean, you can bring your phone in there. It's very, very comfortable. It's not like the hard shell chambers where no technology, nothing. It's just you in the chamber. Uh, it's a different pressure, right? And it's different saturation of oxygen. So that's the other thing I think we should talk about is that, you know, in these chambers, you can add an oxygen concentrator. So that as you pressurize the air inside these chambers, they're still pressurizing normal atmosphere pressure. So still 21% oxygen in a, in a pressurized environment up to 1.3 to 1.5 atmospheres of pressure. But then when you add an oxygen concentration, oxygen concentrator you're taking up to about what 93 percent oxygen that that you're breathing in Uh, if you've got the right mask you can get up to about that amount so you're you're drastically increasing the concentration that you're breathing in under a pressurized environment which means you're going to saturate your hemoglobin which are the cell uh, the parts of the cell that carry oxygen but now you're also diffusing oxygen passively across this high concentration in the environment into the lower concentration of your tissues. So you're getting more delivery of oxygen into tissues that are, again, stuck in inflammatory states. You're not having to use just hemoglobin to carry that around, which is fascinating that we get this increased diffusion across into our serum, into our tissues and and beyond. 
Well, I think one of the ways that uh, Jason explained it that helped me visualize it better was when you're in the chamber, it's like seltzer water opening up in your bloodstream. So like Nick, like Nick was saying, like you're not, you're not left with the oxygen carrying capacity of your hemoglobin. Once you're in the chamber and that oxygen's pressurized, the moment you breathe it in, whatever your, your cells can carry, they will load up, but then all that excess oxygen is going to carry through your blood and go where it needs to go. So like we talked about being out of the chamber where there is no excess, the moment you go in there, that 94%, if you have a concentrator, like me and Nick do in our chambers, you're just getting fed this abundance of oxygen for the whole time that you're in there. And all that excess is just traveling to areas of the body that need healing. And it's just loading that part of the body up so that it can heal. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So real quick. Yeah. Anything? Go ahead. I just want to like from the, from the patient's standpoint, again, like it's, it's chill in there, right? Like you have a mask on, you're just laying, you know, you can take a magazine in there. We don't let people take electronics. I like them to either read or just chill and just tune out. Yeah. Um, That's not from a safety thing. That's more like, Turn, yeah, turn just, it off. Just yeah. turn it off. Yeah. I don't. People need to need to get off their devices more. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't Absolutely. let them take it in. Yeah. Um, but just to kind of summarize a little bit, like what are all the benefits we're going to see from this? One, there's you're going to get more healing when you do oxygen therapy. Yeah. There's no ifs ands or buts. Two, recovery is amazing. That's one of the things I love about the chamber when I get in. It's my recovery is awesome. Like it's so much faster. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just if you go to the gym recovery, if you're an athlete, that's all, all, all always great. But I'm just talking about daily recovery. Like I just float through the day that I do it. The next day I'm still floating. I sleep. I sleep. Sleep is awesome. That's one of the things a lot of our practice members tell us after they do the hyperbaric is they say they sleep like a million bucks. Um, inflammation's coming down. We talked about that. It helps kill infections because of the immune response and it helps kill off bacteria Okay. Fuel cells. We talked about that upregulates ATP because we're able to feed more oxygen there and it actually helps heal the nervous system. So it actually, they've had research show that it helps actually heal the brain and it heals nerves and so on and so forth. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to do more oxygen, man? Yeah. Like it's, well, there's so also accessible that, now. there's also that Israeli study that looked at, um, hyperbaric at a specific pressure, specific time that was actually activating sirtuin genes and helping to stimulate this longevity response. So, you know, I think it's exciting to think of, you know, if we step back and look at all the mechanisms for why we deteriorate, why we propagate inflammation, like we discussed earlier, um, it's also very exciting to see that this is actually a regeneration tool from like a, a longevity or health span point of view as well. So I think like, there's so much we don't yet know, and there's so many different areas within medicine that, these sort of um, we call them off-label uses for hyperbaric because hyperbaric in the hospital there's about eight conditions that it's only used for so again Mm -hmm. access for the majority of people is so limited which is also why you know i think jason's really incentivized i think to to get this out there more because more people could benefit from this but when you have a, a therapeutic that's only listed for a certain amount of um uh conditions it limits its reach and, you know, within good reason, I mean, obviously hospitals are going to operate under a different set of criteria. They're not going to use a lot of things in an off-label setting because research drives therapeutic use. Whereas in, you know, our type of medicine, 
we can go from a more clinical perspective and, and piggyback off research and sort of extend, you know, um, the reasoning to use this type of therapy and, and the results in the research is slowly but surely coming out for a much, much wider uh, utility for, for these, even at these low pressures. So, uh, but it is important to dis differentiate, I think, just for people listening, this is not, you know, hard shell chamber, hundred percent oxygen saturation in, in a hospital environment. It's a different, it's a different animal and there's a time and a place for, for both. And I think that that's, um, what's really important here. Well, I want people to understand, like it's highly therapeutic. You don't have to be in the hospital style chambers to be getting the benefit. And again, yep. to, to talk about what Jason's doing, like he's going to school to become a PhD to prove this, to like, let the masses know, like, look at all the stuff you can, can do with this Yeah, because nobody's done it. And that's, that's, and hats off to Jason, man, for taking mm -hmm. that on that responsibility. Cause that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot more to talk about with regards to HBOT, but I think that, you know, we laid out a good, you know, reason for using it, the physiology and mechanisms of use. And um, yeah, I just look forward to hearing more stories about how it's going for you in practice, buddy. And um, yeah. And then to hear more about where Jason takes his research too, because it's exciting. It's been fun, man. You know, the, the circuit we built with the light bed right before you get in the, in the chamber has been amazing. I mean, you go in, you jump on the red light bed, you, you increase that nitric oxide in the body. You start to circulate like, like a champ. You're already starting to re reduce inflammation. You're calming the nervous system down. You're basically priming the body to uptake more oxygen. Yeah. So you, then I put them in the chamber like right after and they're already opened up, man. So they're already circulating like way, way better than they would be. And then we put them in there and we start feeding oxygen through the system. And so the absorption and, and the transport of that's probably tenfold after the light. And they just works. They work synergistically with each other. There's there's some coherence there. And like I said, that's if you ask me between those two therapies, that's like the fountain of youth, man. Like, I wish I could do a light bed session in a hyperbaric chamber every Daily. single yeah. day. Yeah. 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 I love that you, we were sort of closing yeah. it off in this. Like, there's the synergy in, in you using these tools in, in a very cohesive uh, way. I think that's, that's part of, uh, I think it would, what gets lost in even research is that they're, and fair enough, they're looking at single use therapeutic in a, in a, in a very particular narrow, uh, window and so not always looking at things from multiple platforms which is you know not necessarily the, the scope of research anyways but to, to actually see a clinical application of using these synergistic tools together in a treatment plan I mean that's where you're you know that the results just improve in an con extremely considerable way so uh, I love that you left it there that's that's really good yeah it's fun man it's just neat to see how the body responds that's the part i probably enjoy the most yeah but yeah try it out go find some place that does it and give it a shot do i would probably do more than one i would do probably a series of them yeah and even combo them with some other therapies if you find a, a vitality lab or a longevity center like we have and, and give it a go around um, yeah. because i promise you you'll, you'll thank yourself that you did definitely all right brother all right brother until next time love you man we'll love you too you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. 
You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.